Maven Casting & Associates is a proud champion of emerging and diverse talent. Founder Emma Norman is also an actor, performing in cruising, cabaret, national and international theatre. Emma found her feet in casting whilst looking after various in-house projects for companies such as Live Nation. Emma now casts for a huge range of projects, from musical theatre to TV and everything in between. Hello, Emma. How are you? Hello, gentlemen. I'm very good. Thank you so much for asking me to to jabber this evening on your wonderful podcast. No, not a problem. Thank you so much for coming on. It, it, it's a real pleasure and we can't wait to, to take a deep dive into your work, really, which is um, sort of all industry encompassing at times. So there's there's so much to discuss. So um, we, we, let's just jump right in. And um, as I just sort of mentioned, a hugely exciting part to talk to you is the fact that you've you've done so much and are doing so much. But we'd yeah. like to sort of start chronologically, start okay. at the beginning <laughs> and just ask you um, what made you first fall in love with this industry, this this crazy thing that we all take part in? And then how did that develop into a career? Um. I can tell you the exact moment that I fell in love with performing arts and it was during the 1981 Eurovision Song Contest Fantastic. Uh, and I was seven and I saw Book Space um, win <laughs> with the Eurovision Song Contest and I sat there on the couch and I just thought this is just the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and, and actually all through my life it's been my dream to be the British Eurovision entry, you know, the UK yeah. entry and, and a couple of times I've got quite submitted a song I've got quite close but I never 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 made it but um yeah that was the moment I got interested in music and then musical theatre specifically was when I saw Michael Crawford in Barnum mm. um at Manchester Opera House when I was a child I think I was about nine um yeah that that's what made gave me the the urge to be involved in musical theatre and so yeah, I was just obsessed with it all through being a child. I used to make my brothers dress up in dresses and used to charge the neighbours to come and watch us perform in the garden Fantastic. and all of that. So <laughs> yeah, I um, started performing at the age of 20 professionally. Um, I worked at Granada Studios in Manchester as an in-house vocalist. And um, yeah, kind of from there, I, I've done everything really over the 30 years or so I've been in the industry and um, through flybacks and teaching and theatre and education and panto just dip my toe into everything I possibly could really and uh, about five years ago I uh, stopped performing and went to work for Cuff and Taylor who were a part of the Live Nation family um, and worked in their artist management department so that was just wonderful I got to um, manage big name recording artists and famous actors I looked after Sheridan Smith for two years which was a huge yeah. privilege and uh, Calabro who won Britain's Got Talent I was their manager for four years um, so yeah that was a wonderful insight into a different part of the industry it was a, a huge education to see things from the other side that way yeah Oh, it's quite the uh, quite the roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, it is, and um, and I've and I've loved every single part of it. Really, this I've loved being a performer. I've loved looking after other performers, and now I really love finding performers and giving them a platform to um, succeed in the industry. 
Yeah, I can imagine that's really, really rewarding. Yeah, it really I'd is. I'd ask um, a bit more about your performing work as both an actor and as a backing vocalist. Yeah. As a backing vocalist, you're sort of often stuck to singing the same line for the same songs over and over. Yeah. How do you keep it fresh for yourself as a performer? Oh, gosh. Um, well, I, I was, I don't know if you could say I was lucky or unlucky, but I've stayed in the same kind of show for 10 years. And um, I got ingrained into the world of Elvis Presley. <laughs> that was the bulk. <laughs> that was the bulk of my touring backing vocalist career. I jumped from Elvis to Elvis to Elvis. All the all the top British Elvises who played the big ATG theatres up and down the country. I used to jump uh, between those shows, and always on the same harmony line, always the same every time. So that was that was. It could get difficult, um, but you know, occasionally we'd be in the, on the motorway in the tour bus on the way down, and the boss would say, "Right, let's shove this one in tonight," and we'd all learn it in the van. <laughs> we'd we'd thrash it out at soundcheck, and then we'd perform wow. it at Manchester Palace Theatre to a full house. So we did kind of live on adrenaline. Sometimes it wasn't always, you know, textbook the same numbers every night. Um, and, and every January, I used to sing at the uh, European Elvis Championships. Um, <laughs> so all the, all the um, I'm going to say Elvi, all the Elvi from around the world <laughs> would all fly into, uh, into Britain and um, compete against each other. So we would, um, me and two other performers, two other ladies, we would do maybe, we'd sing with maybe 20, 25 Elvises in a day. Wow. Not know which song they were going to whip up out of the Elvis's back catalogue and we just had to know them, you know. So that that was real seat of your pants type stuff, proper adrenaline. Um, yeah. yeah, it was it was crazy, but such fun. You know, we would do Suspicious Minds like 13 times in a day or, uh, you know, it was, yeah, it was great. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. With that, with that in mind, obviously singing so many times a day, do you have any tips for vocal endurance? It's something I know we can always improve on and can be a daunting task for performers who haven't been on a tour in a long run of shows before. Um, do you know, I would just say sleep. You know, mm. sleep is, is, the, is the best thing. And I know a lot of performers now, especially, you know, your, your theatre trained you know your theatre trained performers they their lives are about self-care are about sleep and water and eating well and and being mindful in that way I kind of the the, the musicians I toured with were more giggers mm. you know your 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 guys and girls who'd come up through the kind of the the pubs and clubs and session world and so you know, often we would do a show and we would all head back to the hotel and then, you know, people would <laughs> people would want to have a drink and a curry yeah. and, and stay up really, really late. And I know that's not the way it is so much with theatre trained people because they just have a bit more self-care for themselves, you know. Um, and, and the not, all, not all the ones <laughs> I know. Maybe <laughs> not. Well, you know, uh, although they, or they say that they do. You know, I, I, I drink a lot of water and I never eat curry. And da, 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 da. But We're yeah, lovely we, liars, us performers. Aren't <laughs> we, we are, we are. But I mean, the, the tour. We, you know, a lot of uh, UK tours are. You're in a, a certain town, aren't you, for a week? 
you know, and then move on or five nights and then you move on. But we were uh, we were one nighters. You know, we never did residencies. So we would be one night we would be at Sunderland Empire and then the following night we'd be at Wimbledon New and then the following night we'd be at Manchester Palace. So it was really quite full on and tiring. So we would try and sleep on the journey, the journey to and from the places. Um, Yeah, it was a crazy, crazy time. And we didn't get to see much of any of the towns either because we'd roll up at three, sound check, have a bit of food and then be on stage and then move on to the next place. So yeah, so. Uh... Oh, would you do? Would you do the journey in over the night after the show? Or would you do it in the morning? Sometimes we travel during the night if it wasn't so far. Then we could mm. have the day at least sleeping or pottering about a town. But mostly we would travel the following day. Yeah, yeah. All of us cooped up together in a in a <laughs> in a tour bus, um, which after a, a good few years together can can be stressful <laughs> it can be stressful yes. sometimes yeah <laughs> there's only so many times you can give that sort of you know oh yeah we're all friends yeah kind of yeah thing, but also yeah. you know I love I, 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 all the people I worked with during that time I absolutely adore them and yeah it was a, it was a wonderful time yeah I think even with you know, with long 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 length tours even if there are people there that you're naturally not going to get along with just because that's how human beings are there's always that measure of respect anyway if you're doing the same job and you're still performing at the same level there's still that mutual respect I think that always yeah. puts the job first in moments like absolutely. that absolutely and we were playing in the you know we were we were, we were playing in, in huge venues up and down the country all the great theatres and and El- for some reason Elvis just fills seats <laughs> I think it always will you know we never played a venue that wasn't you know 70 or 80 percent and above full so yeah it was um we were a tight we were a tight unit and we were like a family and families fall out don't they sometimes when they're when they're on the road together but it was yeah it was it was great and I I'm very fond of everybody that I worked with when I was on the road when I was on the road all those years ago exactly yeah I'd love to talk to you about your um your West End debut in in the Pirate Queen, which you yeah. know to perform in the West End at all is is such a fantastic achievement. Thank and you. And you um you posted about doing that, and you mentioned your age when you got the part that it was yeah. your West End debut, and you mentioned your age. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the thinking behind um putting those two together and putting that as 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 a sort of public um facing post about getting that West End debut at your age? What was the message you wanted to? convey with that and then how much did you enjoy the job after you earned the opportunity oh gosh oh right well I was very vocal about my age because so I was 45 uh, when I did the Pirate Queen at the Coliseum and I as a casting director come across so many performers who think that if they haven't made it by the time they're you know mid-20s or some of the early 20s they think it's just never going to happen for them and I just kind of wanted to give people a a bit of a boost and and let them know that it that it is possible I mean for me it came up the story of how it happened for me is a bit of an unusual story I I went this sounds very clangy but I was in LA with um 
with Calabro, oh, yes. <laughs> Clang. I was in LA with Calabro and they were uh, performing on America's Got Talent. So we'd spent a week away in LA. I, I went with them, which was just fantastic, a real privilege. And then yeah, we got, managers we, perks that. Isn't yeah, it? it was it was just wonderful to have a week in LA for starters, and then to be backstage at AGT was just absolutely surreal. And then we came back and we went straight onto a cruise called the stages cruise so during that cruise i was looking after calabro and sheridan they were both performing on this cruise at the same time and it was like um, a musical theater cruise for a week and uh on the on the final night i sheridan had just done her show and she she went to bed she was pregnant with billy at the time so she went to bed and the boys were elsewhere and so i went up to the cocktail bar and um clocked off and had a couple of gins and relaxed and there was a pianist there who was playing show tunes and anybody who wanted to get up could perform and so I got up and sang um he's my boy from everybody's talking about Jamie and Mm. the producer of the pirate queen was in the bar Tom Tom Gribby and so when I got off the ship, he emailed me and asked me to come down to London to see him at his office, which I did. Um, I had a little bit of a sing through the material and then they offered me the role, um, a, a, one of the lead lead roles in Pirate Queen. So it was all a bit just <laughs> crazy and surreal. So I didn't get the job through an audition like in the real world. It just came through a chance encounter on a on a cruise ship yeah, and... that really is one of those right place right person yeah. right time moments yeah. that you generally only hear about in either films or olivier award-winning actors um yeah. acceptance speeches where it's you're like damn crazy. you <laughs> it is it's just me and jane mcdonald that you know it's the yeah. same thing has happened to her a little bit but yeah and then that so i rolled up to rehearsal on the first day and all the you know the big names that i've followed their careers so avidly like Rachel Tucker and Earl Carpenter and Hannah Waddingham and and Daniel Boys all these wonderful theatre names and they're all coming to me and they're saying so where <laughs> where have you sprung from again or where are you from you know like because I hadn't worked my way up from being hmm. a grad and and done the, the ensemble and the chorus and, and and all of that stuff I just kind of walked directly into a you know a leading role in a in in something huge like that so yeah that was yeah it was it was just a surreal time for me but I did I absolutely loved it I felt a bit overwhelmed at times you know I've never done West End before um a little bit of imposter syndrome but everybody gets that I suppose yeah um but yeah it was very special really really a dream come true just for one night one that one that only but it was um something I've wanted to do since I was a child so it was great to tick that box yeah Yeah. well well congratulations and I'm sure you're um it wasn't something I saw but I imagine it was something that you know as you said you performed in really big venues and you talk about imposter syndrome but when when you walk out there in the moment the the sort of training overrides hopefully that's at least the goal right um yeah I'd I'd love to talk to you a bit more about um about vocals and and vocalist. It, it it's an area that Christian and I are woefully inadequate in. So do you, we're not. So do you boys? Are you boys singers? I've had a look at both your spotlight accounts. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> um, I, Christian, well, what what would would you say you're a singer? Um, in the shower, I would say I am. Everybody, come on, everybody can sing with the with the right training. I think. 
I think too um, many people have told Christian that anyone yeah. can sing, and he just. Did... <laughs> I've, I've watched him perform Shrek the Musical at drama school, and that was uh, that was an incredible experience. The what, uh, I picked role? this flower song. Oh right, played, okay. He played for Shrek, and he brought a prop into the uh, the actual singing lesson. He brought some he brought some little daisies that he found on Chiswick Green, and oh, then bless. brought it. Out. <laughs> bless you. <laughs> I was I've been waiting for so long to try and get that story of one of and our. Now it, yeah, so now yeah. it's him. <laughs> Yeah, that was thin. just to um that was deter- it was just to deter away from the uh, vocal performance to be honest <laughs> and we, and we won't yeah, talk no, about the feedback you received when you sung 16 going on 17 will we, we won't talk- all right there has to be some footage of this somewhere that i can have a look at i'm i'm, I'm i'll try and dig something out of the archives <laughs> that would be great I, I think in terms of myself i have i can sort of sing <laughs> I, I can sort of sing. I'm okay, sing. and I love acting through song. But in terms of, you know, I've, I yeah. did one small musical in a pub theatre, and I, I loved the experience. But I, I imagine the musical director started getting fed up with the fact I just couldn't do harmonies because I was just never trained to do harmonies. So yeah. I was just guessing. And then when you stand near someone that's singing a different line, and you're like, oh yeah. my god, why is my voice now doing what they're doing? <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's, it's not something skill. I've. Had, it's such a skill, you know. harmonies. Yeah. Oh, it's so difficult. It's, it's. I think some people really underestimate just yeah, how. Technical as skill singing is, but you know we can we can act our way through song all right, and <laughs> we, we know our place. But um, I'd love to ask you in terms of um, getting into vocalist work because you've done it not only in your performing career, career in your managerial career, in your casting career, and although not exclusively, is very centered around vocalists and vocals. Yeah. Um, what's the best piece of advice you can give to a performer wanting to get into vocal work in any capacity and the vocalist casting process itself any advice on that um something i wish i'd done when i was younger is to learn music theory and learn to read music um a lot of the the great uh, vocalist fixing companies in the in this in the world but mostly in this country cap you know capital voices being one of them requires all their people on their books to be readers to be sight readers you know yeah. uh same whenever i cast for live nation um you know backing vocalists for you know major recording artists or, or tribute tours or any of that stuff they they like me to really uh you know deep dive and look for readers because mm. It makes the process quicker and it makes it smoother if people could just walk into a, you know, a venue or a booth and read what they need to do as opposed to. Can, can I by jump in on that and say, is that something that you just trust something on their spotlight or is it a sort of surprise test or just a planned thing that you do in vocalist auditions where vocalists know that they're going to get given a piece of music and they're going to have to sight read it or you're going to give them, I don't know, a piece of sheet music and they have to sing it directly. Well, I trust. Same thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I generally trust. Yeah. If I put something on Spotlight, I, I cast a thing about six weeks ago for um, a, a UK tour for Live Nation, a, a major Broadway star that's coming over to, to Britain. And my brief from the, from the team at Live Nation was these three people have to be readers. Uh, I made sure when I put it on Spotlight that I was very, you know, what's the word? Uh, very, clear. Very clear, clear is the word. <laughs> um, I'm very clear and strict about these people must be readers. Um, mm. And I do, if an agent submits their client and says they're a reader, then I am prone to believe that agent. I've mm. never, I've never been, I've never been disappointed. I've never had an MD come at me or a producer and say, 
Emma, this person struggled on day one. That's never happened to Touchwood yet. Um, but yeah, it's such a shame because there's so many phenomenal vocalists out there who will miss out on the chance of doing great, great work like this because they don't sight read. I don't sight read. I don't read music. Everything I do is by ear. And I know if I went in and, and did BVs for, a, you know, a high-end uh, celebrity or, or high-end tour, that I could pick things up very, very quickly by ear. But sometimes that's just not enough. You know, I, I, I cast a thing for Sony Masterworks last summer, and that was the exact same principle. Everybody they had on that cast recording, they wanted to be a reader and to roll in on the day and just nail it quickly. So, yeah, yeah. if anybody out there is thinking of getting into that world, I would suggest you just do some make a start on, on the theory. It's not going to take you too long to pick up even the basics of it. Um. And also, you know, if you're a great singer, get 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 your self online online on social. You know, record yourself. Get some stuff. You know, get some stuff out there for the world to see and hear. Uh, I worked for X Factor a couple of years ago, casting uh, vocalists, and so many people I found on TikTok and Twitter and Instagram. Wow. Um, you know, just by using hashtags. You know looking at hashtags male vocalist or R&B singer or hashtag rapper or, you know, all, all the various ways to find people on socials like that. Um, yeah, three or four of the guys I submitted to the team for X Factor I found on Instagram. So you, you, I say this a lot, you never know who's looking at your social media ever. You never know whose eyes are on it. Mm. Um but yeah, th- music theory. I wish I'd done it. I'm 46 now. I mean, I could do it now, I suppose. Definitely. Uh, but I wish I'd done it when I was younger because I think the world the world would have opened up for me a bit more with regards to the quality of backing vocals and the, the you know the projects that I would have been offered. I think that's my mm. top tip. Emma's Emma's top tip. <laughs> learn, some, yeah. learn some theory. Jot it music, down, kids. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Um. So yeah. Great. I was going to ask about um, a showreel seen as seen as an essential for screen actors. Do you think a vocal reel is an essential for vocalists? And with that said, what makes a good and a bad vocal reel? So many people apply for things uh, for projects that I am working on, and I click on their spotlight, or I click on their Mandy, or their you know their V show cards, or their flare box, whatever platform they're on backstage, and they don't have a vocal reel and they, they yeah. you know they're a singer and it's like it's like if you're an actor and you don't have a show reel on there you're wasting your subscription you you know you're wasting that your your moment on that platform your place on that platform you know if when I click on a someone applies for a big backing vocalist or singing role for me and I click on their spotlight and there's no vocal reel there I think how do I know you're a singer how how do I you know where's the proof Mm. (laughs) you know Mm. I can see your credits but still I want to hear the quality of your voice and the tone and the character in it and who who you are you know so if that's not there that that's often disappointing And, and I know another vocal casting directors will also will then kind of investigate YouTube see if you can find anything on there of you or 
Uh, do a bit of a social media deep dive and then sometimes there's stuff on there that maybe you don't want us to be listening to. Always. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean though? It's like yeah. you show you know, have 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 your it's your marketplace, isn't it? Of, um... Just getting flashbacks of hoping to type in on YouTube, Christian Lee Smith, Shrek the Musical and something. I'm just, just oh, wait no. while I just jot that down because I'm going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. Wow. Yeah, right. That's it. I'm going to hunt that down. You've got that one down, have you? Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? If your stuff isn't there on your spotlight, mm. then, and I'm kind of intrigued and interested by you, I'm going to look elsewhere. And it might be something mm. absolutely horrific from your training or from, your, you know, something mm. your mates put up with you that they filmed. It's, you know, sometimes it's not always going to show you in the best light. So Yeah, but just on that front, in terms of vote, I think it might be that thing that happens with actors shows as well, where people that may have just come out of drama school or they didn't go to drama school or they don't necessarily have the funds to afford like a film quality show reel feel yeah. like that if they just put up themselves doing a monologue in a self-tape light that no you know that's pointless but actually it's it's far better than nothing and just seeing you on camera acting is a great yeah. far better than nothing as long as the sound quality isn't absolutely dire yeah. i presume that's the same for a vocal reel at least yeah. have something there i mean so many people now especially during the pandemic have, have, have you know invested in really great microphones and you know really tasty record, home recording equipment there's nothing to stop you doing it yourself at home if you have the right equipment and it doesn't actually cost that much to to go into a, a local recording studio and just do 16 bars of three songs and, mm. and medley them together you know you could be in and out in an hour you know what's that 30 pounds 35 40 pounds depending where you are in the country I mean I mean I'm in the north so it's probably a lot cheaper <laughs> up here it's probably not that down south but you know yeah. If, you know, for your spotlight, you should have, if you're a musical theatre performer, two or three character numbers to show your, what I would say, your what you envisage your casting bracket to be. Mm. So I'm on, obviously, I'm on spotlight as a performer myself. I have, I have um, 16 bars of um, "He's My Boy" from Jamie. I have 16 bars of um, a "Mama Rose" song from Gypsy. I have 16 bars of "Worst Pies in London" from. Um, Sweeney Todd mm. their three roles myself and my agent would envisage me performing and then I have a couple of excerpts of songs contemporary songs where I'm just performing as me and not in character so mm. if any BV work came along or any jingle work or anything like that they they can hear what my actual Emma voice is and not me as mm. A character that's that's what I what I would like to see on the as a vocal reel of a performer on spotlight yeah a little bit of char- what... a little bit of character and a little bit of you that's what oh, I would yeah. like to see yeah we, we were going to ask you a question on what makes a good or a bad song choice for an audition but you sort of covered what what you should include in the vocal reel and I think that should translate to auditions unless you you're asked to bring specific stuff in which case you'll you'll get sent it but what are your sort of big no-nos for songs to put on a vocal reel or, or songs that people have brought into auditions what should people avoid I don't really have I, I mean a, a lot of casting directors have songs that they hate and they don't want to hear I'm, I'm not like I'm, I'm not bothered if it's a song that you that you love and you know it so well that it's in your bones and you can and you can deliver it to me without any second thought or um 
and uh, without any tentativeness um then that's then that's great i auditioned for wicked just just after pirate queen for jim arnold mm. and i was so engrossed in the pirate queen bubble and the fact that while i was in pirate queen i i believe i believe i had covid during that time i was really unwell but no one knew what it was because it was february 2020 it was just Every, everyone's like, why is Emma coughing all the time? Well, Emma didn't okay. know. Emma didn't know. Um, she just had a cough. Uh, Every one of the cast just kept handing me the black um, Jakemans, just wandering up to me and passing me black Jakemans. Um, <laughs> but I ended up in a and E. I I was quite poorly. And, oh. and anyway, the, my song was the end of Act One. It was the big end of Act One. And it was unaccompanied and it was in Gaelic. <laughs> so oh my I, Lord. I had COVID. I was singing unaccompanied on stage at the London Coliseum and it was in fluent Gaelic. So my head was not in wicked territory. Yeah. So I went <laughs> really. So I went in to see Jim Arnold. This wonderful such a wonderful opportunity to get in front of him and the wicked team. And I just didn't take in songs that were embedded into my psyche. I, I thought, oh, I'll be a bit clever and I'll learn a couple of new ones in, you know, leading up to that day. And I just didn't know them well enough. And they knew I didn't know them well enough. And, yeah, I really regret that, not not taking in material that I was really tight with, you know. And you mm. can tell when someone isn't. Um, but, you know, obviously never sing a song from the show itself unless it's, it, you've got to the point where the CD is asking you to do that. But, I mean, that's common sense to everybody, mm. isn't it? What is the actual reasoning behind that? Because I've heard it before and I've heard that it's literally gospel in musical theatre world. And to me, I presume it's just a case of, well, everyone knows all the songs from this show. We hear them all the time anyway. We don't want to hear them. Or is it about, you know, seeing if the performer knows what the style is and will therefore bring in something that matches it and it shows some understanding what, what is that about do you know what i actually i actually do not know that's, yeah. the, that's a question i don't know the answer to i i don't know maybe it's to see how clever you are with your choices how much you care yes, about it because i've heard that being used but i was a bit like well what is it about why do you care if they're clever surely you just want to if they're going up for say alpha bird surely you just want to hear them sing defying gravity smash that out the park can you wear green paint okay up you yeah, go maybe i mean that was greatly simplifying wicked please don't yeah, come was. after me yeah, stage people please do not come after me <laughs> yeah yeah that was a bit um yeah do you know i don't know i really that's the, that's a really good question actually and i'm sure you know as you, as you get further down the process of having the casting directors on this program you want to get jim arnold in and ask him because he casts wicked he'll know the answer to that i'm not sure he wants to talk to me anymore but <laughs> <laughs> no that's what you just said absolutely no, not it's, it's genuinely a show i actually really like it's not one i was legitimately <laughs> dissing it's it, and it's such a difficult singing part so it really um, is it yeah. really is and I, and I would suggest that the woman who sings elphaber is not going for corey's and um, Blue Wicked's after a show. Or COVID, she, yeah, she, yeah. She's having she's having good sleep and she's taking care of herself. Not like we were on our tour, but um, yeah, I, I've actually have no idea why that would be. And I tell students all the time: never take never take a song into the room that you are from the show that you're auditioning for. And actually, now I'm thinking to myself: well, why why am I saying that? But because that's what I was taught when I was eighteen, and I was at yeah. 
drama college, I suppose. It's just an unwritten law. We'll (laughs) find out. We'll get to it. Yeah, we need to find out. I'd love to talk a bit about your uh, work as a casting director now. What what motivated you to set up Maven Casting and Associates? And what was the process of setting up the business like and establishing yourself in an industry that's already, I can imagine, very saturated? Yeah. Um, well, you know, I, you know, the pandemic happened. I, I started doing casting at Live Nation while I was looking after Sheridan and mm. Calabro and AJ and all the other artists I was looking after. Um and I knew that I loved that side of it. My boss would, you know, if 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 there was an event that Live Nation were putting on like a big proms concert or or one of our artists, major artists was going on tour, I was always going into Peter's office, my boss, and saying, Do they need a choir? Should we put choirs on this tour or should we put kids on this proms or should we like always pushing to let him do for him to let me do what I wanted to do? And um and most of the time uh, Peter said yes which was which was really great so I did I did a lot of work while I was there I worked with the Riverdance team and cast um, a couple of roles in Heartbeat of Home at the Piccadilly Theatre and did some tours and did all sorts of lovely things pop videos and then when the pandemic happened I kind of knew that probably there was a risk of redundancy um, at Live Nation because obviously the the live world gigs and stadiums and tours and all of that was just kaput um mm. for the time being so I thought to myself well if if I'm not going back to Live Nation what has been my favorite part of being there and my favorite part of being there was definitely the casting side even though I loved my clients you know um I loved looking after my clients but the casting side I really I got a buzz from so when I was made redundant, off I went straight away and let the world know that I was doing it by myself. And and I've been quite lucky since October. I've done some really nice, really nice jobs. And, it, and it's slowly snowballing. It takes a while. You know, I, know I, I listened to your wonderful interview with Sydney. Um, yeah. And she talks about how she does associate work for other casting directors and assistant yeah. work and... You know, I've never done that. I've never been an assistant to a casting director and I've never been an associate. I've always done it myself and by myself with, you know, a couple of um, colleagues helping me sometimes, but mostly it's been me at the helm of it. So that's been hard because, you know, none of the other casting directors don't know me. um, And... Yeah, you know, it's the same with you guys with your podcast. You know, you you launch a brand new thing and you've got to find your place in the jigsaw of everybody. And yeah. it's the same with me a little bit. You know, if 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 um if a casting director came to me and said, Will you come and assist on this for me or will you associate on this for me? You know, I would love to do that just to see how another office runs because I kind of do things how I just assumed they should be done, and I'm sure I'm I'm sure I'm, I'm going about some of the things I do really in a really long-winded way. Um, there must <laughs> be there must be easier ways to do this job. Um, so yeah, it's going to take a, a little while to. But I'm really lucky because Live Nation still pass all the casting work to me now as a freelancer, which is really good. Um, mm. But yeah, I'm trying to dip a little toe into into more t- TV and film side of it. So even I've been reaching out to you know other casting directors 
with a view to you know helping and assisting them on the, in that side of it that's fantastic and i think you know yeah. we you know people forget that it's not just actors that are learning and climbing that ladder on a daily basis it's also agents casting directors producers uh, everyone yeah, is, really is always is. learning and developing and as you say you know learning how to do things more efficiently or yeah. you know whether that's learning what people have done for so many years that you didn't know about or trying to revolutionize things it's 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 all of us learning together I, th- I think that's what some people need to remember um, absolutely you you mentioned um, um our talk with Sydney there who um is just brilliant yeah, and like like her you um put on your website quite publicly that you ensure that every performer that casts with you gets a yes or a no which we would like to applaud you for which we wholeheartedly believe in as actors and um i think we all know why this is important but i'd like to ask you why you feel it isn't it, it, why you feel like it is important personally and that if you can do it and sydney can do it and quite a few casting directors can do it that are supremely busy what is the reasoning behind other people in casting not doing this? Oh, oh, well, I can't speak for anybody else. I can't. Of course. Um, I, you know, I'm still at the baby steps stage of finding my way in the in the industry. I'm busy, but I'm not rammed, so I have time to do it. And if I can't do it, my uh, assistant Rosie will do it for me. Um. You know, even if it's at three o'clock in the morning, uh, if if it means that an a, uh, an actor is going to wake up the following morning and know the outcome, then that makes me feel better and I can sleep. <laughs> I can sleep better. Years and years ago, I auditioned for an absolutely huge West End show. I was only 20, how old was I, 23, 24? And I made it through to the, to the very final stages. It was two or three of us for a role. And... To this day, I still don't know whether I got that role or not because nobody let me know. <laughs> you were waiting. Nobody let me know. And it, it dragged on and it dragged on. It was before email and it was before mobile phones. So the only way I could have found out would have been a phone call to my mum's home because I didn't have an agent or spotlight or anything back at, back then. And, yeah, that that whole thing really affected me really badly. I kind of shut down for about a month. I didn't leave my my room. It sounds really dramatic, doesn't it now? But I just was so devastated not to hear. Mm. And I think just that um, closure would have been would have been better. And, and I think so. Every time now someone auditions for me, I just think back to that and how lost I felt and how anxious and how I couldn't make plans because I didn't know if I was going to be moving to London or not, or if I, or, you know, it, it, yeah. it, it's, so yeah, I try and I try and do it as, as quick as I, as quick as a decision is made, I try and get onto my laptop and let them know. Um, and it's for the agent as well. It's not because the agent is living and breathing it too for their client. It's not just yeah. the client. Um, and they want it just as bad for their clients. Yeah. So it's 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 two people that you need to to set free a little bit when it's not going to go their way. Um, mm. But I mean, these massive companies, you know, these massive casting companies, that the amount of admin that they must be having to deal with. Oh yeah. I mean, I even I have massive amounts of admin, and I'm at the moment casting pre-casting a musical, and I'm doing two or three pantos. I mean, it's not massive stuff. But even my admin is shocking. You know, it's a lot of a lot of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I, totally. It's the it's the idea that 
I, I like I went to a casting workshop with one of the um CDs that that cast on 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 the crown and someone was asking about the amount of applicants they get and yeah. it, it was I can't remember the exact number but it was something like 8000 applicants for a sort of one line butler part or reporter yeah. part on the crown which is an absurd amount it really of paperwork is. to doing and self tips to doing and by no means I think is the actors asking the question of you know this yes or no thing it's by no means actors underestimating at least from my perspective what casting directors do it's an absurd amount of work for you know a yeah. really uh, all hours it's not about trying to be like oh why aren't you saying yes or no I think it's more of surely there's a smarter way to go about it that can make it efficient for both sides but you know we get to have our cake and eat it like I yeah. don't know if there's a sort of blanket eat I mean far smarter people must be working on this problem than me but I don't know if there's a sort yeah. of blanket email thing where if you submit then you and you're a no you get put on a list and you just get a blanket email that says thank you so much for auditioning unfortunately it didn't go your way this time hope to yeah. see you again in the future I yeah. think that's all any actors really want at least from my perspective I don't know there's got to be a solution at some point I think but I, I just wanted so. to make sure that it wasn't us translating as being whiny actors that talk no. why didn't I get an email back do you know I, what I mean yeah I, I did an audition a couple of years ago for Jerry Springer the opera at the Hope Mill in Manchester mm. and I got an email back at five o'clock in the morning from the Pearsons wow. um, and and to me I've never forgotten that because I just thought if someone is up if James or Rosie are up at five o'clock in the morning making sure that I wake up to this email then that is fantastic and I've kind of, I've, I've gone with it. Th I think we have a responsibility to, to everybody's well-being and mental health. And, yeah. I, I, and the, the only thing that sometimes grates, I'm going to say grates, because, you know, I'm a, I'm a happy, non-judgmental person generally. But when I send an email out and say, I'm sorry, it's not gone your way. Thanks for your time and talent. We'll see you in the future. And then I get, an email back saying can you can you give me more in-depth feedback and I, I just think do you know I do you know what I really can't no. because a I don't have time really to do that and b you didn't do anything wrong <laughs> no you just yeah. weren't right you just weren't the right fit you know you, you if you've asked if I ask you for a tape or ask you into the room for me I think you're absolutely great you're not doing it you've not done anything wrong um so yeah, yeah. I, I, I I sometimes really just don't have time to to jump and give full really really detailed feedback I mean sometimes I will but very very rarely you know and some some actors are quite uh, adamant that they want that they mostly unrepresented actors actually for some reason actors that that are coming to me directly and not via an agent um seems to be the case they like to have more detailed feedback but mm. yeah it's never generally unless they've done something really drastically wrong and I feel like they should know that basically more often than not they haven't done anything wrong at all it's just a case of not being the right I use this analogy a lot but the right the right piece of the right jigsaw piece for the mm. jigsaw you know yeah um, but that. yeah I will I will always always let people know how they've done definitely you just mentioned there about actors without agents and also ones with what, what's the best way for actors to get in touch with you because i know every casting director is different whether it's they'd like to be emailed or letters what works for you 
I I actually really love um, actors getting in touch with me and emailing me whenever it is. Um, I I actually really appreciate it because sometimes an email will come in and it will. I'm casting a really difficult thing at the moment for Live Nation, and it's um it's a, a UK tour of a a really successful show called What's Love Got to Do with It, and another mm. sister tour called um, Whitney Queen of the Night. So the the team are looking for a, a lady who can. Uh, do Whitney and Tina to a really, really high standard. Both of those roles, because they're sister tours that run with the same team, but is happy to stand back and be on backing vocals for probably three shows a week and has to be a specific kind of height, specific look, a driver. But mm. it, there's just a mass of things to this brief. So it's really difficult to find that woman, you know, and um, last week, uh, a couple of ladies emailed me out of the blue, not even in relation to this casting, but just to let, let themselves be known that they were on the planet, you know, and they, mm. were, they were performers <laughs> and they just suited this brief. And I was like, oh, my God, wow. thank you, Lord, you know, <laughs> and, just you know, I'm so grateful that that happened. And it happens all day long like that. You know, I've cast some people in a couple of pantos just before Christmas who just emailed me out of the blue just to say, hey, here's my picture. Here's my show reel. I live here. I live. I've done this, blah, blah, blah. And that they just something about their what they sent that struck a chord with me. And then they've ended up being booked this Christmas to do panto. So, yeah, it's I, I don't mind it. I, I I love it, and if if there's something about your email, I will file your way definitely for yeah. future. But I mean, Sydney, I'm sure Sydney said that in her in her chat too. She has folder after folder of specific looks and specific types and people yeah. that could play certain roles, and I'm exactly the same. Um, and by and by that, I think actors need to also remember, um, you know, myself being being an actor that you know, emailing a casting director isn't just saying, um, hello, you know, this is my staff, whoever you are, please cast me in something. Put in yeah. the effort to be specific with your yeah. casting email. Make sure you look up the names of the casting director. Because I, sure Ma- I get Dear Maven, Dear Maven all the time. Yeah, exactly, and- right. It's not difficult to find out who is the casting director behind that company. You're active yeah. on Twitter. You're active. It's it's on the website. Do you yeah. know what I mean? That's yeah. It's just and it's quite frustrating to see that because I, it's never from a bad place. It's no. just from come on, just put and that to be extra fair, bit of effort. I I'm back and forthing with agents all day mm. and very fast sometimes, and I forget the name of the. The, the specific agent for that client so sometimes yes. i will put good afternoon team or yeah. hey team and and and, and i i sometimes worry am i annoying am i annoying that agent by not hmm. remembering the christian name of that so i've put together a little database now of who you know the people that i'm really in in constant contact with who that who they're looking after um but yeah it is a courtesy to to just double check I think they think yeah. Maven, I think they think Maven is my Christian name. Hmm. Um, and casting is your surname. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I might change it. I might change it by deep poll now, so it's easier for everyone <laughs> involved. But I chose um, Ma- I chose Maven because it means um, 
it means a, a woman who is an expert in a particular field. I love that. Uh, I heard it on America's Top Model. I used to watch America's Top Model all the time. <laughs> and there was a woman on the judging panel that used to, that used to uh, introduce her as a fashion maven. So I Googled mm. what maven meant, and it meant, uh, uh, yeah, a woman with with knowledge in a particular in a field. And I just, I've always remembered it, and I loved it. So I thought, well, I'll go with that instead of using my own That's name. Brilliant. Well, people that yeah. listen to this, if you want to find a way to make sure that you, you know that you know Emma and you know what she's about, then put that... You know America's top model <laughs> definition in, in yeah, the email. Yeah, um, I'd love to. You know, we've, we've barely had time to really scratch the surface with all your your different sides of work. I'd just like to um, quickly ask how difficult it is to manage these different strands, and especially if they're all going well at the same time. That's often when it's hardest to do these different careers is when they're all going well. Yeah. And on sort sort of on top of that, what would you say to those that think you can't be multiple? things in this industry whether that's casting and acting or um acting and teaching or acting and directing or writing um those that you know label people like that jack of all trades master of none um gosh that's (laughs) that's the longest question i've ever heard in my life um (laughs) welcome to in the room questions from matthew philip harris they are inappropriately long and probably stupidly written that was 49 questions in one question um (laughs) Let's see. That's <laughs> so, um, so how do I manage all the different strands? Well, at the moment, I'm not really doing that much performing because of the pandemic. So, mm. and I was really lucky at Live Nation. If a, if a, if a, if a performing job came in for me, Peter would let me have um, what do you call it, where they let you out of work for a little while to go off and have a jolly. What was it called? What's the word? It's got a certain word, hasn't it? Sabbatical. Oh. Yes. Ah. Yes. Like so, P- Peter is a you know. I met I met my boss Peter through Amdram ten years ago, so he knows about the performing side of me, and and so he would let me toddle off and do little bits and take unpaid leave and come back, and um, my clients would <laughs> would let me go off and do it. They would they would tolerate me leaving them in the lurch for a couple of weeks to do a play or something, but. Um, so yeah, that was fine. I mean, at the moment, there's not a great lot happening because of because of the pandemic. I had a couple of um, couple of auditions. One was for a Netflix thing a couple of weeks ago. I had to do a self tape myself, which I've never had to do really before. Um, you know, and I, I wax lyrical on on my socials about how to do self taping because I'm watching them all day long. And, <laughs> and then you get one and you go, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. It was a bit like that Johnny Weldon sketch that's doing the rounds at the moment. I don't know if oh, you've yeah. seen it. Yeah, it was all a little bit like me shouting at my boyfriend to help me set the lights up and reading the other part. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and he's 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 not an actor by any stretch of the imagination. So, but he's very broad, silly accent. So it, it was all a bit dodgy. Um <laughs> So yeah, I'm not, I'm not. There's not so much performing going on. I'm about to do an idea of a musical in May, so that'll be nice. Um, but yeah, I'm lucky. If you thought, you know, if you're looking after your business, self-employed, you can juggle all sorts of things, can't you? Really, you manage your own time, you manage your own diary, and what you can, what you can realistically take, take on and not take on, I suppose. Um, and with regards to your question about b- being multiple things. I um I do a lot of uh, you know chats to graduates and kids and teenagers and I I say to them that they I, I use this hashtag hashtag be more Sheridan. Hmm. Do you know what I mean when I when I say that? 
Would be more like um, Sheridan. Yeah, because she does everything. Well, she does everything. You know, she does mm. straight drama. She does comedy. She does musical theatre. She yeah, does... I saw her in Funny Girl. She was oh, she's just fantastic. I mean, and, you know, she she presents, she records her own music. She tours her own music. She does voiceover. Like, she does every single part of the industry. And so, so she will never... Yeah, she will never be unemployed. And so I say to these kids, you know, if if just dip your toe into it and if you're good at it, that's great because that's one more thing that can make you castable and employable as you get older. You know, if you're if you're a great dancer, do some acro, start learning some acro and if you're an actor musician, pick up a, a, an acoustic guitar or you know, a violin or learn some piano because there's always work for acting musos and you know I, I wish I had dipped my toe into more things when I was younger definitely uh, but I mean it, it doesn't even matter what if you are pick up a guitar if you want to because who yeah. can say in five years time it might come in handy for a job you never know do you no um, sure yeah I, I, I think you can there's so many people especially during the pandemic so many people are, are turning to producing their own stuff and writing their own stuff. And it's it's fantastic to see how people are just evolving as creatives. And they've had to because of the the pandemic and the amount of free time they've had. They've utilised it really brilliantly, I think. Yeah, I agree. It's great to see people not just, you know, sat there watching Netflix all the time. They're actually putting it to good use. Uh, Although I did easy. spend all of April last year in my pajamas yeah, yeah. watching Game of Thrones. I was going to say, Christian, that I don't think we've not, <laughs> we have probably been guilty of that. I time. wasn't referring to myself. I was talking about people that use the time wisely. <laughs> um, a... I've been playing Call of Duty. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh... I'd love to um, just finish up with asking what your plans and goals are for the future. In, in the many areas of work that you do, whether it's casting or acting? You know, I, I there's so many things. I'm, like, I'm 47 next next week. And I think to myself, what, you know, I've got 20, 20 more years of working life in this industry. And what do mm. I, what do I want to do with it? going to say life then. <laughs> in this yeah. life, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Morbid. <laughs> What's morbid? Do you know what I mean though? I've got another like 19... Yeah. 16, uh, I'm really good at math, I'm really bad at math, so I can't even know how many years that is, but, you know, 20 years, and I think to myself, well, what do I want to, what do I want to do with those 20 years, and I don't know, I'd like to, I really would like to cast for telly, I did a couple of TV ads before Christmas, and I just got such a buzz from it, Um, yeah, to move more into casting the acting side of things as well as opposed to just singers and musical theatre would be great mm. I would love to write my a screenplay I've been in in the um in the pandemic I've been writing monologues uh for actors and met some absolutely brilliant actors who've recorded them and filmed them for me and I've put them online that that's been really and they're not they're not going to go anywhere they're just for my they were just for kind of for my mental health and just for me to be creative during this year of being at home. Mm. Um, 
so yeah that was really good and you know these agents these actors came out of nowhere and showed their hand and said I'll do one for you I'll do one for you and so it's been really lovely to see my words acted out by some really really fantastic people um I don't know casting wise I'd love to work more in children's casting I really enjoy that I don't know I just I just I just love being in the industry and I love meeting people and I, whichever road it takes me down, I'll, I'll be really happy, really, I think. Yeah, I think that's a lovely sentiment to sort of close on. You sort of touched on it there, the idea that, you know, if you work hard enough and you do in the in the area that you're passionate in, it will eventually take you in the right direction. You might just not know it yet. Yeah. And it's been a real pleasure chatting to you this evening. Um, thank you. And I thank you, you so much for coming on. It's been a real laugh and we've learned so much. So. <laughs> I'm just uh, going to nip off and type in Christian Lee Smith, <laughs> Shrek the oh, Musical. My. In fact, I'm looking. I'm so ready. It's going straight on my Twitter the minute I find it. <laughs> I think we need to do a bonus <laughs> audio episode with that put on. I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm here. I'm ready. <laughs> Have I'm a ready. lovely rest of your evening, oh, Emma, you so and I'm much, sure we'll have you. you on again soon. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thanks, and congratulations on a brilliant podcast. It really is wonderful. Thank you. That's really kind. You're welcome. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and learned something. We look forward to having you back in the room very, very soon. <laughs>